Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Black woman. Beautiful. Powerful. Resilient female of African descent with skin kissed by the sun. Conversation. A talk, especially an informal one, between two or more people in which news and ideas are exchanged. We love being black women. Black women are ambitious. Black women are confident. Black women are diligent. We are tenacious. We walk out of our houses put together. We are many shades and personalities of fabulous. But we as black women don't talk about our dilemmas, current events, and what's going on every day that affects us. So we created this podcast as a way to laugh together, cry together, and have an open conversation about life as black women. Oh, that's deep. Black Women Conversations. Hey, Nicole. Hey, Janine. How's your week been? It has been, you know... Y'all, if you don't know, we're recording a little later than we usually record. So we're close to the date that this episode will drop. And so this week is is fall break. And I have, um, Harrison only has three days off. I'm pretty sure I mentioned this last time. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, he goes back to school Thursday and Friday. So I took off work Monday and Tuesday. And just lo and behold, you know, when you're off work and you're trying to be completely off work, but people from work are still calling you even though they know you're off work, that is what's happened all week. And uh, let me just say this. If you are gainfully employed, right? You're not a small business owner. You're not an entrepreneur full-time, but you're working for somebody, okay? I just want you, yes, our listeners, all of y'all, if you're thinking about quitting your job or that you don't like or appreciate your job, I want you to reflect for a second before you do that, okay? Ask yourself, What was I doing before? And is this job better than my last job? Ask yourself that first. And the second thing I want to ask you want to ask yourself is, do I have time at work to do something that's not work, right? And so if you have free time at work to do something that's not work, and I'm not talking about like on a break. I'm not talking about on your lunch because your lunch is yours. You clocking in, clocking out. Um, you know, or clocking out, clocking back in for lunch, right? That's your time. But if you're at work and you can check personal emails, you can check Instagram, you can even pull up Netflix on the side and have it playing, then really don't complain about work because that's called stealing time, okay? That's stealing. And and I say that because <clears throat> the people at my job, and if they're listening, I hope they listen. I hope they say, ouch, um, when they hear this. The people at my job, I am working like a Hebrew slave there because I'm getting systems in place right now because it's a new it's a new uh, startup, right? Like the hospital systems never had what I'm doing. And there are people at my job that because we're at a slower pace, because I'm literally crunching things on my own, they are, quote, bored. And they have time to sit around and talk on the side, watch Netflix, all these things, and then have the a nerve 
to complain about work-life balance, y'all. I don't have good work-life balance. Well, what do you mean? Because I don't think you take any work home. Yeah, but I mean, when I'm here, I don't have good work. You're not supposed to have work-life balance at work, okay? The work-life balance applies to people who are salaried, who take work home, okay? If you have to, if you pay to think about things and plan things, you tend to take work home. You tend to research on your own time. Why? Because you're salaried. And so those times just sort of bleed into each other because you're not working, you know, a dollar per hour or whatever your dollar amount is per hour. But if you're not doing that, you can't complain about work-life balance. So so the people in my job have been complaining about work-life balance, girl. How? How? We have a, a lower patient load. I just, I can't even just, I just, it burns me up in the inside because I feel like the flexibility we've allowed them um, in terms of you guys can work some hybrid, some from home, you know, hey, you can leave for lunch early. The manager is going to cover for you guys because we only have a couple patients in the office. Those things aren't appreciated. And so um, I, I say that because people really need to think about some of the um, leniency they've been allowed at their office. And just because you're cool with the boss doesn't mean you have the right to be not professional. So I'm on a tangent right now because I have to go back to work tomorrow and I'm like just over it because I feel like everybody doesn't have the same work ethic and I wish that they did and it really annoys me that they didn't. So if you do not have a good work ethic, don't come don't, don't come for me because I have time this week. I will come back for you. So please um stop complaining about stuff that you don't have to complain about. Like if it's in your job description, you shouldn't be complaining about it. Period. If you're borrowing or stealing time and doing something else, if you're doing a side hustle at work, shame on you. You should not be doing that. Okay? You should not be doing that if you are hourly employed. That's not right. And then complain about work-life balance. Girl, bye. Anyway, Janine, uh, so my son has had a blast. After he got over his his fever, his illness <laughs> earlier the, in the weekend, he's had a blast and we've been a couple of places. But uh, my God, I'm really excited that I did not choose to go on vacation with him over the long extended weekend because we would have been stuck because he had a fever. You know, we would have been stuck. We would have lost our money. And I would have been upset because we paid thousands of dollars to go to, you know, the Nickelodeon Resort in Punta Cana and we couldn't do what we needed to do. So um, the Lord knew, the Lord knew, okay, and told us, no, do something local. So we canceled one of the two events that we had planned and then rescheduled them for earlier this week. Anyway, thank y'all for listening to my soapbox. But Janine, how was your week? Okay, I need to go back for a second before we get to my week. I really, like, that thing that you just were talking about and people's work ethic, it really spoke to my soul. And it's not just if you're out hourly. If you are salaried, while you're at work, you need to be doing work because I don't want to hear it when I pick up the phone and call you and say, what happened to A, B, and C? Because if you had been doing what you needed to be doing at work, then I don't, wouldn't have to call you when you're not at work. Just that saying, part. the work ethic thing, it's its just not something that can be taught, though, right? Like, you can see and want to emulate someone else's work ethic, but, like, you just can't teach work ethic. People have it or they don't. It's just what it is. And let me tell you something. 
it's it, it was there was a point where you know we taught black people specifically black women you got to be smarter work harder all of the things all of the bars you had to exceed them and that's how I was raised and I will work myself y'all know I will work myself into the ground I'm sick right now because I have if I told you what my schedule was like this past weekend, you'd be like, girl, did you get any sleep? No, I did not get any sleep, but I'm going to get some sleep tonight after this podcast. But I'm saying this because we we lost not only work ethic, but we lost pride in our work. It's like, let's just do this because this will get us by. Like, when did we just become okay with mediocre? Maybe, maybe we need to have a whole nother podcast about this because we talked about people switching jobs and all of that in, you know, in the podcast. But like, I really want to know, when did we go from, we really take pride in what we do in our community and the things that our name is attached to, to, oh, well, this is just enough. And I clocked in and I clocked out. Does everybody want to be a factory worker? I mean, my friends and I call them by the hour. We won't say the last word. But yeah, like what what are we out here doing? Do we not have aspirations to be better? Like I don't know. I don't know what it is. I mean, nobody really wants to work, let's be honest. Like it's called work for a reason. No one really wants to do it. But we do understand that it's a means to an end. We have to do work so that we can get the things that we want and go on the vacations that we want and you need money so that you can enjoy life. And unless your family is is wealthy and you're a trust fund baby or you are independently wealthy somehow, you got to work. I just, I don't, I, I, I don't understand it. You do have to work, but you're right, Janine. I don't know where it is. I'm just thinking about like, you're, there had to be, there's something about women that are like 35 and up, right? The work ethic is there like that. And I know that's our listeners, but some of the women that I have come across that struggle on that, or like 30 and under. Like it's a struggle. It's like people want to get paid to do absolutely nothing. Like people are literally complaining saying, "Oh, well we don't feel like, you know, if if um Dr. Plenty doesn't see every single patient, we don't feel comfortable." Well, some patients aren't on the schedule to see me. If you're getting and and this is going to be like way beyond you, but like if I've seen that patient and laid out a plan, why are you not comfortable following the plan? I'm so confused by that. If the patient's fine with the plan, why are you not fine with the plan? And then on my administrative days, they're like, well, we're bored, da 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 because you know, we don't have patients that day. Well, that saying that is not going to force me to work on my administrative day. I have stuff to do. And so when you tell the COO of the system, we're bored because we feel like we're overworked the other days and then on Fridays, we're bored. You know what her response is? Oh, well, they need to be floated to the other offices. They need to be floated to general OB offices to help. Okay, that don't hurt me. Now they mad because they get a, get floated to other offices. Well, when you go and try to, you know, complain about the supervisor, and which which basically is complaining about me not having patience on my administrative day because you're bored. Then what happens? You go to an office that's fully functioning on Fridays and then you won't be so bored because the network is already looking at me like, why are you not flow them anyway? Well, because I figured they need some time to read and catch up and 
organized for the week. I'm being nice. No, don't pull my people. I don't want them floating to other offices. I want them to be able to spend their free time getting ready for the week ahead. But you want to complain about being poor. Oh, okay. Go ahead and float them. Go go ahead. Go right ahead. But don't you just hate that when they're like, they think they know so much and you're like, I've been doing this for... <laughs> Nicole, 15 I swear, years, but I, whatever. Hello. I, I told somebody the other day, I said, you know what? I started working in my, not in in sports, but I started working doing what I do back in 2000. Okay. It is now 2023. I have people that work with me that are not even, they were not even born in 2000. Okay. So when you come to me and think that you have this all worked out, And see, I'm the kind of person where if you have a great idea, I want to hear it because I'm not so close-minded that I think that I know everything. And I know that some great ideas can come from people who may or may not have the same experience as I do, right? They might not have the years of experience, might not have the level of experience, but great ideas can come from anywhere. However, when you think that you have this brilliant idea and it comes back to bite you in the tail, please don't come checking for Janine. Because Janine would have told you that that's probably not what you should have done. But again, you want to go for it, have at it. For me and mine, there's some tried and true things that I know that are going to work and have never failed me. I'm trying to tell these people, n- never mind, let's let's go on. Um, what, what was your question, Nicole? What, how was my week? Um, I, I hope it was better than mine, but how, <laughs> how was your, because I'm pulled into meetings to talk about the drama going on in my office that I ain't got nothing to do with me. But okay. Don't you just love it? Mm. You just love when the when the people, and I don't want to call them, I don't want to say that they're like the underlings, but the, you just love when the people who are not in charge have so much to say about how things should be run. Just saying. Okay, so my week was very eventful. You know, in D.C., it was CBC week. And I will tell y'all, y'all, if you participated in the CBC in Washington, D.C., any event of any kind, y'all hit me. Hit us. Please tell us. Tell us what you did. Tag us. Tag us in your CBC pictures. Send them to us if you don't want to tag us, if you don't want us to see, or you don't want the other people to see. Send it to us. But CBC was lit, Nicole. And I'm not one to say, you know, I do CBC every year. I don't um, typically go every day to everything because that's impossible. We all know that. But CBC was, it owes me not a thing. You hear what I tell you? CBC was amazing. Um But most of the time I was working, hosting events, things like that. And it was just, it was just like, you know, I like to say that CBC is like the grown folk homecoming for black folk. Like all of the people who have any political aspiration and or have any, um, any aspiration to do things on a national scale um, typically come to CBC and it's just, it's, it's, it's great. And you got to love our people. Cause you know, it's some, it's some real interesting things that happen at CBC as well. But let me tell you something. 
you gotta love us. You gotta love us. I said, Nicole, I actually said that CBC is like the geriatric homecoming. I'll take it back, but it is actually very hilarious because everyone who thinks that there's someone comes outside and baby, everyone, and I don't mean everyone, but a lot of people, they're on the prowl. They're like, these people are, are connected or they're wealthy or they're this or whatever perception that you have of the people who attend CBC, CBC week, everybody is out looking. Now, I'm not going to put my um, former therapist on blast. But I will say, I just told you, Nicole, that the people be out there on the prowl. I will say that my former therapist, who was a therapist of both Ken and I, um, thought that he was picking me up until he realized who I was, because apparently I don't look the same as when he was giving us therapy. So, (laughs) counselor. So, the marriage counselor was out um, on the prowl as well. Just, Just saying. Well, shoot, baby, I, listen, next year, come Nicole have no ring on her finger, I might have to be at the CBC. Just yeah, saying. girl, come on through to CBC. Let me tell you something. It's the cutest thing. Like, CBC is like all the people be outside. Now, did I realize that people were on the prowl as much as they were this year? No, but I think it's post-pandemic. You know, people are like, look, some things didn't happen. Life statuses didn't change. What do they call them? Life events. Life events just change. Insurance has changed, your benefits has changed, all those things have changed. And people are like, I'm outside. And baby, were they outside? Listen how crazy this is. So one of my like former HQDC members, HQ is like a Soho house, but for us, um, it's like gathering spot, but for us. And she was like, hey, she DM'd me. She was like, hey, I saw you post a picture of someone What's the deets on him? And I was like, oh, I get to play matchmaker. At least I get to participate in the fun, right? It, Girl, it was amazing. But I, as I tell you, the CBC doesn't owe me anything. Um, I have a lot of great pictures and a lot of great memories and a sniffly runny nose and losing my voice because Janine didn't get much sleep at all. So yeah, I had the CBC. And then to close out the CBC was Dope Black Girls Brunch, which was super amazing. Like, it's put on by Color Vision and Black Girls Vote. It was legit. Like, you know how you go to a brunch and you're like, oh, this brunch is going to be cute, but it might be stuffy or everyone's going to be, like, super pretentious. It was not that at all. It was everyone from Felicia Butterfield to um, Abby Phillips. Like, I mean, it was just some amazing people that they honored, and it was just some amazing women in the room. So it was awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And, um, you know, shout out to some of my friends who attended. But shout out, special shout out to Joe from Two Strands, which is the salon. She Joe does my hair. She's my loctician. And she showed up to support the event. And she is super amazing. Like, I just, I'm really grateful for her for, for doing that to support. But, like, it was awesome. The event was amazing. And if you have never been to Adult Black Girls Brunch before, Make sure that next year you attend because it's just it's just great dope black girl camaraderie. I can't even describe the experience to you because whatever I'm going to say is not going to do it justice, but it was great. It was awesome. So next year, Nicole, make sure that you come in. Come in town. Come on over. Uh, listen, I listen, I may have to, depending on how this, how my um, personal life is going, 
come 2024, I might have to, I might have to swing through. Just saying, I haven't been to CVC in a really long time. So it's 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 also good to stay politically aware with other um, movers and shakers in politics who are minority as well. So it, so that would be um, a good event to go to, even if not for you know prowling. <laughs> it's it's still good to be involved in the political process. All right, so um, so our listeners, how have you guys been this week? I hope that you have not been as frustrated or as sick as Janine and I have been. Tell us how you guys are doing. Yeah, we already asked you to send us the CBC pictures, but no, we're we're for real. I want to see them. I really do want to see them because I feel like th- there were a couple of times over the weekend where someone said my name and I turned around and I didn't recognize who they were. And forgive me because I'm getting old. You know, I hit forty and my brain was is doing tricks on me. Yeah. Tell us how your CBC was if you attended CBC. And if you didn't attend CBC, what did y'all do this weekend? What is popping? Where are you from? Give us the feedback. And you know we're going to ask. You have to rate, review, subscribe. Thank you. All right, Janine. So what's on our timeline this week? So we have reoccurring timeline guests, Gabrielle Union and Dwayne Wade. And I feel like we've talked about them a couple of times. I feel like we talked about them because... They split things 50-50. I feel like we talked about them because of something else. But okay, we talk about them on this podcast. And I thought about this, like, why do we keep talking about these two, right? And I really think it's because their life is like real, right? Like they don't really give us that like pretentious, I'm famous, I don't have any problems kind of vibes. They give us like real life, real problems vibes. And their problems tend to be relatable, right? So they're back on our timeline. And this time it came through the platform that is formerly known as Twitter. And it's been going off the chain. Like the last time I think that I was watching the video um, on the platform, it it had like 16,000 views and 16,000 comments. It was insane. So here it is. So the the chatter started about the Union Wade household because Dwayne Wade was on Club Shay Shay. Now, Club Shay Shay is the podcast for Shannon Sharp. And Shannon Sharp asked him a very simple question. And the question was, was it more difficult for him to lose in the finals or for him to tell his wife that he had a baby on the way by another woman? And he didn't even hesitate. And he said, the latter was way harder. And then he opened up the floodgates and basically bared it all and told us how he felt. So let me just give you a backstory. So back in 2013, before Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union were married, they had been dating. Um, Dwayne Wade was messing around with a woman named Asia Matoyer, I believe. Y'all can Google it. And supposedly this little tryst that they had was taking place while Gabrielle Union and Dwayne Wade were on a break. So this happened. And then November 10th of 2013, the two, meaning Asia and Dwayne, welcomed Xavier Zachariah Wade. Now, here's the thing. At this point, Gabrielle and Dwayne are now back together. So let's go back to his dialogue with Shannon Sharp on Club Shay Shay. So he said that he tried to think of 
everything possible because he was scared. What is he going to say? How is he going to say it? Is he going to tell her? Is he not going to tell her? How is he going to let her find out? Is someone else going to tell her? Is it going to come out in public? Like he didn't go through all of those things, but from the conversation, you could deduce that that's what he was thinking. So he tried to think of all of the things because he was, he said it was so scary. But first it was scary for him because he's a public figure. So you'd never know when someone is going to spill the beans because you might not know that they know and they spill the beans. How many times have we seen where celebrities find out about something negative or positive that's happening in their life because they read it or hear about it or see it on social media? Y'all, we don't think about that when we talk about these famous people and all the wonderful things that they have. Y'all also don't have privacy, but I digress. So he said first because he's a public figure. And then he said that he knew he was going to hurt her. And while, yeah, it happened while they were on a break, he knew that it was going to be hurtful to her, so he didn't want to hurt her, which is honorable of him, I guess, in this situation, as honorable as you can be. And he said that he really had to sit with that thing, and he had to sit with her. So first, he had to come to grips with what was happening in his mind. And then second, he had to sit with her and talk this thing out and tell her what was going to happen before the people told her. And by the people, I mean, like the press, the media, right? And so he said that he did tell her before it became public. So she would find out from him. But as much as he hurt her, he said he couldn't have gotten through it without her. He said at the time he was in the playoffs, um, you know, and all of this was coming out and he had a lot on his mind. He said that he kept going through what was going on. He kept, you know, playing, replaying it and replaying it in his mind. And he said that he was struggling because he was keeping something so big from the woman that he loved and the person that he would normally talk to about this. He couldn't share it with her because obviously it was going to hurt her, but he did end up telling her and he said it was heavy. He said it was messing with his mind. And he said, but the way that he got through it is that she helped to guide them through this dilemma that they were having. So he said that he tried to play mind tricks on her first before he like came clean and, and told her what was happening and there's a baby on the way and figured out like, you know, sat with her to figure out how to deal with it. He said, first he started to try to play mind tricks because he didn't know how to deal with it himself. So he said that he was playing mind tricks with her. Like he tried to break up with her, tried to say that the relationship was already on the rocks, tried to say that there was all this other stuff happening in an effort to try to get her to be like, okay, sure. And move on so that he didn't have to actually address what the situation was and that he had a child in the way that was outside of their relationship. So he said he played all the games, but every time he did, she kept showing up. He said that no matter what, she kept showing up for him. And he said that they subsequently went through therapy. He said they screamed about it. They shouted about it. They went to more therapy about it. And he said, but he knows that even though it's been nine years, it's something that he will always have to work on because it doesn't go away. The infidelity doesn't go away. The child doesn't go away. All of this will continue to resurface even though there's been time, even though there's been some understanding, even though there's been conversation and therapy, 
it doesn't go away. He said that he thinks about his wife and he thinks about how it affects his wife. And he's, you know, he's sorry for it. And he's, you know, there's nothing that he can do to change it. So he just kind of like figures out the best way for them to support one another in this. He said, but more than he thinks about his wife, he thinks about his son because his son didn't have anything to do with this. His son didn't choose this. His son didn't choose to be born outside of his relationship, outside of his marriage. It's just what happened. And he's, he spoke about how unfair it is to his son, but he says, he said that ultimately it's his family and they're going to make it no matter how crazy it is, no matter how difficult it may be, no matter how much people may just continue to bring it up, even though they try to put this blemish on his son's name, even though the son didn't have anything to do with it. He said it's his family and basically he's committed to making it work. He said nine years later, he and Gabrielle are in a different space and they can now have an open, honest dialogue about the relationship that he had and his son. And he said that he is continuing to grow. He's continuing to grow as a, as a person and show his wife that he is now not that same person that had a baby outside of their relationship. And he says that as she, as he shows up and as a, in a more mature way, she continues to show up for him. And ultimately he loves his family because it's good or as bad as it may look, he's grateful for it all, he says. Now, Nicole, infidelity is a lot to deal with in and of itself with no proof of infidelity, right? It's just the concept that someone cheated on you is just enough to deal with, right? But having a baby that didn't ask to be here, I, I don't know, Nicole. Like, for me, I think that that might be the straw that broke the camel's back. I think I would be mad for a lot of reasons, right? I'm mad because you cheated. I'm mad because you cheated with someone that wasn't smart enough or you weren't smart enough to find someone who didn't want to have kids after you cheated. So she's riding this out. So clearly she either had feelings for you or you silly enough to be with the girl who wanted to trap you. So I'm mad about that. And now I have a child and I'm mad because I can't be mad at the child. So all of the frustration that I have for the fact that I'm looking at you in your face and knowing that you don't belong to me, but you belong to my husband. Now I'm frustrated because I can't even like, where do I place that frustration back on you? So now I'm just angry at you. I don't know that I would be able to deal with this. What, what do you think to go? Um, it just depends on the situation, right? Like, you know, I just think Dwayne, you know, I don't know them. Let me start there. I don't know Gabrielle Union. I don't know Dwayne Wade. I just know the persona they put out into the world, right? And he just seems like such a good standout guy that one, it was hard for me to even realize that he cheated. And and I'm I'm thinking that Gabrielle probably felt the same way. But and I, but she also is known to be somewhat of a strong person with a strong will. Um, she also seems to be a person that wouldn't put up with the kind of BS. So I'm wondering what was um, what was going on when that child was conceived? Like, is this a break baby? Is this a, you know, conceived with somebody he really had feelings for? Um, and so from from the little research I've dug into, this was not like, oh, he was like stepping out on her every other night. This was just like a fling that happened, right? And a fling that happened while they were sort of kind of on a break. 
correct me if I'm wrong, but if that's what happened, I understand it's embarrassing to admit, but at the same time, things happen. Like when you're on a break and you are sexually active, the consequences of being sexually active can happen, right? And a baby can happen. Now, is it sloppy to have a baby on a break? Yes, yeah, sloppy, y'all. Oh, that's sloppy to have a break baby. But he's right. It's not the baby's fault that this baby has this blemish on, on him. You know, it's the baby is not the baby that has the the letter A on the forehead. It's the dad, right? But the baby does have to take the downfall because now the baby is not going to be, you know, reared with both parents in the household. And this will also always be known as the side baby, right? Because Gabrielle and Dwayne Wade are big public figures, right? So if it's not both of their children, then they're going to know that that's the side baby over there, right? So it is, you know, it's unfortunate that sometimes the child has to take, you know, the fall and the child as a child ages will, you know, always be known as a side baby. But big ups to Gabrielle and big ups to him for actually like just owning his shit and saying, listen, this is what it is. Although it sounds like he, instead of trying to own it, try to like skip around that. Like, let me see if she's going to break up with me before I put myself through all the turmoil and emotions that come with actually owning my stuff. And so since she's stuck beside him, I guess she's, he's like, well, I guess I have to go ahead and own it because we're going to be here. I want her to be here and continue to show up for me during what sounds like a crucial time in his life. I mean, he was, this was like either active season or finals or something was going on that was like serious work related. Right. And so you don't really need to deal with any more stress than you already dealing with the pressures of, you know, winning, games, right? Because you get paid to win games. So the fact that he decided to say, you know what, let me sit down and own this, that is, that's big because a lot of men would have just made some excuses to break up, right? Um, And really go through with breaking up because they don't want to own it. And then later on, it would have came out that he had a baby on the way. And then she would have been thinking, well, was this why you broke up with me? But to sit down and actually admit it is big. And then for Gabrielle to be mature enough to say, Let's break this down in baby steps and process this. You know, what were we doing? You know, is this the time that we were on a break? How was our relationship at that point? You know, do I blame him for quote unquote cheating? Or even if it, you know, really wasn't technically cheating, do I blame him for this? And is this something that we can work past? Are we mature enough to move forward and work past this? Um, and I think it takes a very mature woman to be able to talk through that situation that had to be extremely hurtful and think about it objectively and say, Hey, are we able to move forward? We're not. And it takes maturity on both parts to say, Hey, this is what happened. How can we move forward? Is this something that we can move forward and how are we going to handle this? Um, And I think they've handled it very well as at least publicly they've handled it um, extremely well. Um, I don't know what I would have done if I were in that same exact situation. If I were, I'm thinking if I were, you know, with Dwayne Wade and I was on the same level of Gary or Union, would I have reacted the same way that she did? Perhaps, you know, if depending on, again, depending on what the real circumstances were behind the conception, maybe I could have worked through that. Now, if I was a regular chick on the street, you know, regular chick, they're going to be like, mm, I'm going to stick beside him. Right. Mm-mm. I'm going to stick beside him. But when you come into the table with steak to his shrimp, 
then you, you've got to see if you're going to make this a surf and turf or you're going to go and be your solo meal. You're going to be the full entree or not, okay? And um, and I think when you're on that same level, it, it, sometimes it doesn't, you can't really predict what will happen then. You got to realize that embarrassment, even if you're on a break, the perception is he's actively cheating and now she's a weak person because she stayed with him with the side baby. So it takes a strong woman to realize what you and your man got behind closed doors and what y'all agreed on and versus what the public will say. It takes a lot to withstand public scrutiny. Like Janine and I are not big time. Ken gonna get us dead on, but we're not big time, right? And we still endure scrutiny, even from our little platform. There's still people that come for us. Like I can't even imagine being on like a big national platform and people talking about what you would have done and what she would have done and how dare she and who who did this and who did this and she weak and you know this person's a gold digger and this person not. I can't even imagine people's comments and how that would actually get to you you know it takes a strong it takes strong people honestly to be famous it takes strong people to be famous and I think that's why a lot of famous people with the stress of it all do do things like go to drugs and alcohol and things like that because it's a lot of pressure so to to get through that together and stay intact and stay and have your sanity is is huge. It's huge. But so I can't tell you what I Apparently Siri must have heard me say something and started talking through the computer. So erase that. But it's it is huge and um it, it's hard to say what you would have done in that situation, but for me I probably would have done the Gabby thing if I'm on the same exact level as as the person. Now, if I'm Gabrielle and this person is the security guard, I might have had to move on, right? I, I'm not about to take public scrutiny if you're not pulling up and bringing steak to my shrimp. That's just me. That's just me. Johnny, what do you think? <clears throat> yeah, I'm not. I'm not doing all of that. You, I don't care whether we want to break or not. I don't want to look at. At your at evidence of your infidelity, supposedly, um, every day. I don't, I'm just not that mature. And I honestly can say that. And to your point, the public scrutiny is a lot. Like, I'm barely able to deal with the scrutiny that you and I get. And to your point, it's not that much, but people come for us. It's like every time we crack this mic to record a podcast, we can anticipate that someone is going to have something either not necessarily negative all the time, but they're going to attempt to antagonize us based on what we've shared on this podcast. And we do this because we like it and we enjoy it. And we understand that black women don't have conversations a lot about real things that happen to us. Right. Because we've been taught to like sweep them under the rug and try to figure it out. And like, you just make the best of it. But honestly, it's still a lot. We understand that y'all love us, but sometimes y'all love us. You have tough love. Imagine that on a, a scale that's a million times more. I would not be able to handle it. I am not at that point yet in my life. And I'm not saying that I want God to work on me to get to that point because I'm not really the kind of person that likes to have my business out in the streets like that. So for people who are public figures and then to add something like this to it i don't know i don't know that it would be i don't know that i would be okay with it that's just me 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, Janine, are you ready to talk through some of these letters? Let's do it. All right, so this one is from an anonymous uh, listener. And um, yeah, let's just start by saying she's anonymous. The letter reads, Nicole and Janine, I don't know how to deal with this but my now husband and I took a break before we got married two years ago and I slept with two other men in the six month break we took. After the break, we got back together and we are going strong. We ended up going to the courthouse about seven months ago and getting married with his mom and my sister as witnesses. Three months ago, I found out I was pregnant. At first, at the first prenatal visit, I had an ultrasound, met with my OBGYN, and had first trimester labs done. The baby was seen on the sonogram, and everything appeared to be normal. My husband was ec- ecstatic, as this is both of our first child. However, I got a call from my OBGYN the next morning asking me to come to her office to discuss lab results. I found out that my first trimester labs returned positive for HIV. I was so confused. How could this happen? I'm pregnant and I have HIV. My husband knew about the two men I slept with because I felt a need to come clean to start a fresh start before our marriage. He also said he had a brief relationship with a past fling. Now I'm not really sure how to tell him the news about my HIV status. How would you ladies suggest approaching this? Any advice would be appreciated because I am so distraught and embarrassed right now. Sign an emotional mess who like who would like to remain anonymous. Wow. I, I don't even this is this is so extreme that I have mixed feelings about it. First, you you have to tell him. There's the the fact that you've written into us and you're asking us, I really I really need you to tell him and I need you to tell him because that's fair because it's, there's a possibility that he could too also have HIV and it, if you love him, you don't want to do that to someone else. Right. And I understand that, you know, you can live with HIV and their medications that will make you undetectable. I understand that, but it's only fair to, share with someone that you love that you could have potentially exposed them to HIV. I I mean, that's, that's really the only thing that I can think about because it, it's such a hurtful thing to think that you could have put someone that you love in danger. Um, no matter how small the danger may be, it just, it just almost has me at a loss for words. Like I would never want to, harm whether intentionally or unintentionally someone that I love and the fact that you could potentially have done that it hurts my heart for you so 
I don't really know how to tell you how to have this conversation um, and how to express this to your husband. I, I don't know. I don't know how how to do that. I, I do know, however, that there are places that are, you know, counseling set, you know, places for people who are either just finding out that they have HIV or have been living with HIV and have new partners. I do know that there are specific places that give you counseling to help you through, you know, these tough dialogues. And I honestly would suggest reaching out to an expert, someone whose job it is to help you navigate the difficult conversation that you're going to have to have with your husband. But also, I just want you to be prepared for the fact that he he might not stay. And I'm I'm not wishing that he doesn't stay. I'm not saying that. I hope that he does. I hope that he understands that, you know, HIV is no longer a death sentence as it was when we were growing up. Um, and you can live a very healthy, long, productive, successful life with HIV. Um, but I want you to understand that it's, it's a different kind of pain when you feel like you've been betrayed and, you know, a baby is one thing, right? Like, cause you know, you're happy and you're celebrating and no one wants to say that a baby is a mistake, right? Cause they're not, babies are God's gift to us, right? But when you, when you bring something into it, like an illness, it's a very different situation. Nobody's celebrating. Nobody's telling you, well, you know, you should have that. That It's not the same sentiment as, as a baby. And yet you will have to live with it forever as you would with a baby. Right. So my heart really hurts for you because it wasn't intentional and it wasn't something that you anticipated having. And it wasn't something, you know, I, I would like to, you know, give you a hug because it's tough enough to realize that you yourself are HIV positive, right? And then on top of that, you now have to have this very uncomfortable dialogue with your husband. And you could, like I said, potentially have given him this thing that you don't even want to live with. I mean, it's, I don't know. I don't think that I, myself, Janine, am at all equipped to give you a, a legitimate answer on this. So I would suggest seeking professional help. Um, and I will then turn it over to Nicole, who is a professional. So maybe she can give you some better advice than I can. So, uh, you know, first of all, this is way more common than people think. You know, it's so common to get an HIV diagnosis when you're pregnant. Why? Because we got to test you, right? We got to test you during the first trimester and we got to test you again during the third trimester. Now, usually what's surprising, more surprising, is if your first trimester labs were negative and your third trimester labs are positive. Now, that's when we have a that's when we have a bigger issue, right? Like, how did you go from negative to positive? Okay, well, you must got infected during the pregnancy. So there probably was some infidelity during the pregnancy, right? Either that or you hadn't seroconverted to positive in the first trimester, which meant that your HIV diagnosis was so new that you hadn't seroconverted. And usually it takes about three, it can you can seroconvert to positive pretty much anywhere from like one month after exposure. That's very quick. 
Some people take six months to a year to seroconvert. So it just depends, right, on when you got infected. With most people, seroconverting to positive three to six months after exposure. And so, first of all, the thing I would want to make sure we point out is there is a lot of stigma around HIV, but like Janine says, this is not a death sentence anymore. There's a lot of HIV medicines. It's not like all we have is AZT like we did in the past. There's a lot of drugs, right? There are a lot of drugs that are a lot more affordable and covered by insurance. If you don't have insurance, you can always go through the health department and get your medications for free or at a reduced cost, depending on your income. So so this is not a death sentence, but you do have to be very diligent in making sure that you take care of yourself now. And so the first thing I want to do is remind you that this is not a death sentence and you did not get this on purpose. That's number one. Number two, just because you have HIV does not mean your baby is going to have HIV. You, you know ahead of time there are medicines we can treat you with to get your viral load down to being undetectable. And so we know that if your viral load is undetectable, the risk of your baby getting HIV exposure during pregnancy or the birthing process is very, 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 very small. So small that we used to start people on AZT, uh, which is azobenine, during the delivery process to reduce the risk of at, to of the baby to get HIV to 2%. But we know that if your viral load is undetectable, we don't even have to do that anymore because the risk is so low for a baby getting HIV if you're undetectable. So the goal is for you to live undetectable. Like we can't even find the HIV. We just have some of the antibodies circulating, but the virus itself is not there. So once you're positive, you'll always be positive, but your virus does not have to be detectable. And so the risk of transmission when your viral load is undetectable is super, 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 super slim. But anybody that you're having sexual contact with does need what's called pre-exposure prophylaxis, which is PrEP. So like Janine says, you have to tell him because he, one, needs to get tested to see if he's positive or negative. Because just because you're positive does not mean he's positive. Okay. And then two... You have to tell him because you're with him. That's your husband. And so instead of him wondering why you're giving them the cold shoulder because you're trying not to infect him because you don't know his status or you're, you're being mad or distant, you have to sit down and own it and say, listen, I'm HIV positive. But also know that you stepped out, not stepped out, you took a break. You had sex with two people in six months. And no, nobody's calling you fast or a whole, that kind of stuff happens, right? You you broke up, you had some rebound sex. That's understandable. We don't know where you got this from. You could have gotten it from your husband who also stepped up. So we can't take the blame for something when we don't know if we're the person to blame. Both of you admittedly had sex with other people. And so you could have gotten it from him who could have gotten it from his ex, who could have gotten it from somebody else she was sleeping with right? Or you could have gotten it from one of the two other people. So you don't feel, don't sit in guilt because you don't even know if you're the person that gave it to your husband. You don't know if your husband is positive or negative. And if he is positive, you don't know if he's positive from the girl he had sex with. So let's not own the fact that we infected, you know, your husband, if we don't know he's positive or negative, and we don't know how you got this disease. All you know is you have it. And so the first step is saying, sitting down and saying, I have really bad news to tell you. I found out that my labs were positive for HIV. 
And yes, they're doing some confirmatory testing, but you need to get tested. And I'm sorry this is happening, but my OBGYN reminded me that I don't know where this came from. So if you're positive, you're going to either have to report this to the health department. He's either going to have to tell the, if he's positive, he's going to have to tell the ex, the ex-fling to get tested and he's positive. And you're going to have to tell the two people you had sex with that you're positive and they need to be tested as well. And depends on who's coming back positive can tell you, hey, you got it from this person or you didn't. So we know if somebody's negative in there, you didn't, you didn't get it from them, right? So if your husband's positive and his ex is negative, and that's the only person he slept with while y'all are taking a break, then we know that you got it from one of the two people you were sleeping with, right? Um, or depending on when the last time you had an HIV test, both of you guys could be living with HIV for a really long time. HIV doesn't have any symptoms, right? When you seroconvert, some people say they have a flu-like, flu-like symptoms, but who knows if you didn't get an HIV test, you could have HIV for years. I mean, that's how HIV works. You don't know unless you get tested, but it is good to say less contact trace. Now I know the embarrassment of telling somebody you have any STD can be a lot, If you go through the health department and get tested, you can literally tell them, these are the people I've had sex with in the past, in whatever time frame it's been since you've been tested. And they can contact Trace for you. They contact the person. They don't even tell who's positive. They say, hey, someone that you have had intercourse with tested positive for HIV. We need you to come in and get tested. And they get tested and they find out they're positive or negative. They don't say... Mary Jane, who you slept with seven months ago or a year ago, is positive for HIV. And so you need to get tested. They don't tell them that. They just say, they contact trace, right? You give them the name and the contact information for the people you've had sex with. They get a call and say, hey, listen, when was the last time you were tested for HIV? If their HIV test is, you know, less than the time frame you've told them, they'll tell them, hey, somebody that you have had sexual relations with, tested positive for HIV, and so you need to come in and get tested. Um, They will tell them that without you having to tell them, but you have to tell the person that you have sex with now. You have to tell your husband because it's the person that you made your life partner. Now, could he potentially leave you? Well, yeah, but even if he leaves you, he still needs to know if he's positive or negative before he goes out and infects somebody else. And you guys have to figure out a way to co-parent your child because it sounds like the ultrasound, everything was growing out normally, everything was normal. So you know this is his child, right? Because y'all been married now for what, seven months? So this is definitely his child. So you have to find a way to co-parent. And if he's negative and you're positive, because sometimes it's like that, then you guys have to talk about if you're going to stay together how you can be what's called a discordant couple. Okay, I know I'm like going pregnancy pearls on y'all for real, but there are ways for couples to do that, to, for one to be HIV negative and the other to be HIV positive. And you take what's called pre-exposure prophylaxis and meaning a medicine that prevents you from getting HIV so that you can continue to have a normal sex life and have a normal life. I have several patients that are in discordant relationships right now. Um, And so that kind of thing can definitely happen. But the first step is 
taking the bandaid off and being honest and saying, this is what's going on with me and my body. I don't know how I got this. We need to figure out if you have this. And if you do, we need to let the health department know that our the other people that we've had sex with in, in whatever time frame since we've had HIV tests, they need to be tested. And none of this name, none of this blaming, right? Like you both at fault, like you both split, you both have relations outside of each other and now you've decided to move on. And so counseling definitely would be recommended because it's hard to move on and to both own your stuff, right? You're owning your stuff. But the only reason you have to even tell him is because you're the person that's carrying a baby, right? If men carry babies, he'd be having a conversation with you because both of you stepped out. And so because of that, you both stepped out. You both decided to be honest and move forward. You know, remind him, like, we made a commitment. We decided to be honest and move forward. I understand that your emotions could be all over the place, and I respect whatever decision you make. But at the same time, you both made mistakes. And so after you go to the health department, after you tell him, and after you go to the health department and you you get tested and you support him through that, because that's just a stressful process in itself, um, after you do the contact tracing, then counseling is needed. Like you're going to have to get counseling. You're going to have to get counseling um, to to continue to grow together and to work through this disease, whether you're, you have it by yourself or whether both of you have it. You're going to have to, you know, get counseling because it is a lot. It is a lot. All right, Janine. So what does your letter read? Mine says Nicole and Janine. I really need your input on this one. I know you all will tell me if I'm being silly. So here goes. My husband and I have been married for 20 years. Our marriage isn't perfect, but we are in this thing until death do us part. While he drives me absolutely crazy, I love his dirty draws. But he's a man. Don't get me wrong, he worships the ground I walk on, but he's still a man. My husband has cheated a few times in our marriage. All of the times he felt guilty and told on himself before I even suspected that there was anything going on. Here is my issue. I recently found out that one of the ladies that he cheated with has a son that is 12 years old, which would make it a possibility that my husband is the father. So I did some digging and found out then not only does my husband know that that's his son, but he has also been taking care of him for 12 years. See, I'm not mad at the fact that he has a son. I'm mad at the fact that he didn't feel the need to tell me. Ladies, I have a few questions. One, should I tell my husband that I know? Two, do I welcome his son into our home and our family? Three, should I stay with my husband or am I being stupid? I don't want to lose my family over my husband's inability to be faithful. What should I do? Signed, Angel. How long did Angel say they were married? 20 years. And she knew he cheated three times, though. He told on himself. She said that he came clean before she even knew that he even suspected he was cheating. It's, it's hard for me because he came clean before she suspected it, but didn't want to own the fact that he got somebody pregnant, which means that to me that maybe he cheated and he did not tell her about this particular woman. And maybe this was a relationship that lasted a little longer. My question would be, 
is he still in a relationship with this woman? Is he living a double life? Why is he taking care of this child and been taking care of this child for 12 years and owned everything else except for this? It's not giving to me. Um, I also wonder if they have children together. I don't know if you said that, Janine, if they have children themselves. She just keeps saying her family. Is her family her and her husband or her and her husband and her own kids? Because that that hits a little different, right? So if you don't have kids and he has a kid over here that he's been taking care of for 12 years, to me, that's like living a completely double life. And I'm wondering, why is it that he stayed with you for 20 years and he's taking care of this other family also for 12 years? That that would be a lot for me, especially if I didn't have a child. Um, by this man, I probably would walk away. I would, I would so walk away. Um, I understand death do you part, but there's a level of like disrespect. Um, you not telling me that you have a love child somewhere else. It's just on a level of disrespect that I, I just can't comprehend, especially if you came out about all the other scallywags, why you didn't come out about this baby. And was this baby, is, is the baby mama one of the scallywags that you cheated with or a different one? Because if it's a different one, we got a whole different issue. That means that you've been keeping this person on the side for probably a long time now. And you might still have this person on the side or still have some form of relationship with this person, which is why you're so hell-bent on continuing to take care of this child um, without me knowing. Um, So it's just not adding up to me with him being so honest about the other three and not about this child. That doesn't make any sense to me. But let's suppose... He was honest, and this is a child from a relationship, from from one of those three flings that you mentioned, and he's not having anything going on with with um, with this woman. Should you stay or not? Well, you already forgave him for the infidelity, and so to me that means you forgave him for the result of the infidelity. Um, if this is one of those bouts of infidelity um, that he had, and he's now moved on from, and so I would say, yeah, you probably should forgive him. And you, if you are going to forgive him and stay with him, then you have to accept the child as a package, right? Because this is your husband's child, which makes this child your stepchild. So you pretty much have no choice but to um, welcome this child into your lives. Now, welcome the child into your home, that's different, right? Like y'all can take care of the child. You can have a relationship with the child. You can see the child and meet the mom and things like that without having the child being a live-in child. But if you are going to forgive him and stay with him, you have no choice but to welcome the child as a part of the family because the child, to Dwayne Wade's point, is not the blame, right? It's not the child's fault that the child was conceived. So you have no choice but to welcome that child if you decide to forgive your husband. Now, the question is really not should you welcome the child, it's should you forgive your husband? If you forgive your husband, you welcome the child. Now, you can forgive him and not forget and still move on. And it, it depending on what your home situation and if you have children yourself, that is probably what I would do. I never want to break up a happy home, but this home ain't happy and there's a lot of a lot of stuff going on in terms of infidelity. Um but let's say he's honest and he doesn't have anything going on with this woman. I would sit down and I would tell him, listen, I know you have a child. I would, I'm, I'm straight like that though. No chaser. Hey, listen, 
I know you have a child. I'm very hurt that you've been lying to me for the past 12 years. Why is it that you've been lying? And I would wait for his response. And, you know, of course, maybe he said he's embarrassed. He didn't want, you know, it's one other thing in terms of infidelity that he had to tell you. Perhaps you weren't going to believe that everything was over at that time. It could be a number of reasons that he decided not to tell you. Cowardly, but it could be a number of reasons. If you decide you want to stay with them, I would want to know all the facts. Obviously, before I made my decision, I would say, hey, listen, I want to meet the mother of the child and I want I want to meet the mother of the child and sit down and talk to her. And the three of you sit down and talk so you can find out whether there's something going on, how long the something was going on, if she knew that he was married. You can get all those questions out because you got to get all the facts first before you make decisions here. Okay. So I would talk to her if she says, yeah, I knew about you. He told me about you after the fact, or, you know, we, we had a one night stand. It was 12 years ago. You know, he's been taking care of his son since that time. I knew that he was married or maybe she'll say, I didn't know he's married, but we weren't together. We're not together. You know, find out what's going on and if there was a relationship ongoing or not. Because that, that is going to be, to me, that would be my deciding factor about whether I would stay or not. Like, hey, what was actually going on? What were the circumstances around, you know, you guys having this baby? And what has the relationship been over the past 12 years? And her reaction will tell you all you need to know. If her reaction's like, oh, we've been on again, off again for 12 years, then you move on. If her reaction is, yeah, I knew about you. I've been trying to tell him to tell you. We had a one night stand. He told me he told you that he cheated, but he couldn't tell you about the child. Okay, that's a that's a difference. Still cowardly, but I can see y'all working through this. So to me, it just depends on the facts around it. You're married, so you got to find out the facts before you just file for divorce. And if you decide to stay with him, you do need to have a relationship with that child and y'all all need to go to counseling, all y'all need to go to counseling to work through this. What do you think, Janine? So I'm just going to answer her three questions. One, should you tell your husband that you know? Yes, you tell him that you know. Why are you not telling him that you know? There's no point in keeping a secret from the man because you didn't do anything wrong. He's the one that's keeping a secret from you. So just ease all of you all's angst and just say, hey, I know that you have a kid out here, right? Because from the letter, it doesn't seem that you really want to leave him. It seems that you're frustrated or angry or upset that he decided not to tell you, but you're not upset that he has a 12-year-old kid. And you've been married for 20 years. You said you love the man's dirty draws. You already know he's cheating or he has cheated. So just tell the man you know. Hey, I know you cheated because you told me, but I also know that you have a kid. So hey, there's a thing. So yes, to answer your first question, yes, please tell him that you know. Number two, do you welcome the son into your home and your family? Now, into your home, I don't know. Where does the kid live? How is his his mom? Like, there are a lot of factors about the welcoming him into your home, right? Like, are you asking, are you going to move him in? Like, are you moving him in with your family? I, I mean, I don't know. Um, so I don't know what, if you should welcome him into your home. That's something that you and your husband, once he knows that you know, will need to discuss. And 
if you plan on leaving your husband, then that's not even a question to answer because if you plan on leaving him, why would you then welcome his child into your home when he clearly already has some place to stay? Just leave him with his mom, right? Or whoever it is that he's staying with. If you plan to stay with your husband and you would like to have a cohesive unit and you would like your husband's children all to be under the same roof, again, you never told us if you have kids or not. You never told us any of that. But if you would like, excuse me, if you would like your husband to be with his son, then yes, welcome him into your home. You don't have a choice but to welcome him into your family. Don't be that person. The child did not do anything to you. It's his raggedy daddy, a.k.a. your raggedy husband, that did this. And it's not just that he was unfaithful. It's that he's unfaithful and he's now had a child that he's so conveniently just not said anything about. But I will give him his props for still taking care of said child. But you don't have any choice. He is a member of your family now. As long as you are married to his daddy, he's a member of your family. Sorry, Angel, but that's just how it is. Now, number three. Your third question is, should I stay with my husband or am I being stupid? I'm, you know, I'm usually the one that tells you to like hit the road, right? Nicole is the one that want to sit here and tell you, stay married because just try to work it out. And she genuinely believes that, right? Me, I will tell you to hit the road. But we have swapped places here. I'm going to tell you, based on this letter, this letter isn't giving me, and I like to read into things. I will tell you that. I would like to read and overanalyze. It's a, it's a gift and a curse. But based on what you wrote to us, there is no indication that you want to leave this man. You said you've been together for 20 years. You said that you're going to be together till death do you part. You said you love this man's dirty draws, but he's a man. So you have accepted the fact that your husband is a cheater or was a cheater or could potentially be a cheater. You've just accepted this. You've accepted this for who he is, right? I, if you've already accepted the, the tough part, the kid is just the result of the tough part. So if you've already accepted the difficult part, girl, what you leaving for? You 20 years in now, whatever pension he got is yours. Whatever belongings he has also yours. Unless there's a problem or there's a situation where he there's not enough money coming into the house or something. I don't even know what would make me say that you need to leave this man. You didn't say that he's terrible. You ain't say he's abusive to you. You just say he just is, as you put it, a man. And he's cheating. Okay, well, girl, guess what? It's likely that if you want to be with another man, he also will cheat. Because, you know, men typically do that. Not saying all men cheat. I'm just saying it's a possibility that he could be a cheater. And I'm saying this not to deter you or to convince you that, you know, you need to sit here and put up with cheating because Janine will never say that, right? You should never have to put up with cheating. You should never have to put up with anything that you are not comfortable with. And honestly, I don't believe in cheating anyway, because if you are two grown adults and you have eyes elsewhere, you should be able to tell the person that you claim that you love that you have eyes elsewhere. That is Janine's philosophy. But you have accepted the fact that your husband likes to wander to where he has eyes. And he's wandered, and now he has eyes, and now those eyes have eyes because he's now had a baby. If you're okay with it, girl, stay with your husband for another 20 years and keep it moving. That kid is eight years from, not even eight years, six years from grown. The tough part, you 
I mean, not, not all of the tough part, but a lot of the tough part has already happened without your knowledge. He's 12. Oh, you got a six more years, girl. Let This is a little blip in the radar. Girl, stay with your husband. If you love his dirty draws, as you say, stay with that man. Because grass isn't greener on the other side. You just going to jump out of the frying pan into the fire. Don't do that. Stay, stay with that man. And not for nothing, but he's doing the most honorable thing in this situation. Aside from the fact that he didn't tell you, but he's doing the most honorable thing. Without you making him or someone making him, because I'm assuming he's not on child support because you didn't know for 12 years, he is taking care of his responsibilities. Now, should he have said something? Absolutely. But we have to give this man props for taking care of his responsibilities because he could have buried his head in the sand and said, that ain't my kid and not paid this woman a dime. But he's taking care of his kids. So, I mean, he might be an upstanding man that might just have a little bit of a problem. Might, might be a nympho or something. But, girl, stick stick beside him. Stick by your man. All right, Janine. So what did you learn new this week? So I'm going to take my learn new from the Dwayne Wade Gabrielle Union story. First of all, I was not aware of the fact that Dwayne Wade's son is nine. Like, I had no idea. I didn't, first of all, I didn't know how many kids they had, but I did not have any idea that his son was nine. And what I learned was right after, not even a year later, after the son was born is when Gabrielle Union and Dwayne Wade got married. So, look, infidelity, it sucks, right? But it doesn't mean the end of a relationship. Not even when a baby is involved. What did you learn new this week, Nicole? I wonder if she found out, like, what she would have done if she found out after they were married. I'm just wondering. Just, just, just a thing. Anyway, um, what I learned was from, so there's a, um, a postdoc fellow at the University of Michigan Institute for Social Research. Her name is Cassandra Dorius. And she reported in a news article that 59% of African-American mothers, 35% of Hispanic mothers, and 22% of white mothers reported children with more than one baby daddy. I just thought that that was a lot. And um, this is across all income levels and all education. People just have multiple baby daddies. Yeah, I mean, it could be the time. I'm old school, though. Like, I don't. We all know that Janine doesn't want kids, but that's not that's not even what I'm talking about. I just, I, I don't know. It's just me. I'm not hopping from one to the next. That's just, just Janine. But I think about it like this. Like, I'm divorced now, right? So let's say I got married and decided I want another kid. That would be two different baby daddies. You know, so I think it's more common because the divorce rate is so high. I think it's more common than than we think. Now, I'm not going to have no more kids, but let's say that I was younger and I did want more kids. Well, that would happen. And she didn't say single or married. It's just what it is. Like, how many fathers uh, do you have? How many baby daddies do you have? And if you've been married twice and you have kids in both marriages, then you're going to have multiple baby daddies. That's just what it is. Okay, but what happens when you have three, four, five, seven baby daddies? You might have three, four, five marriages. Then, then there... Again, Nicole, this is this is when we suggest that if the marriages are not working, that maybe we stop and evaluate why you are now at marriage for three, four, five, seven. Just saying. Well, let's not judge. I mean, the first marriage could have been a fluke. The second marriage could have been like 
you know, that person died in a car accident, the third man, I mean, stuff can happen, you know? True. That's fair. I don't know how we have things happen till seven, but you know, nonetheless, that's fair. We're not going to judge. We're not going to judge because we don't Mm -hmm. want the people judging us. So we're not judging. All right, Janine, are you ready for the motivational moment? Let's do it. And it is also from an unknown author. And it reads, getting your shit together requires a level of honesty you can't even imagine. There's nothing easy about realizing that you're the one that's been holding you back this whole time. Until we meet again. Pray, work, slay. And show off your melanated excellence. Bye! Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations is produced by Nicole Lee Plenty and Janine Brunson-Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Get the Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversation podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or where you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate us. You can follow Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations on IG at Oh, That's Deep, BWC. Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations is a Mean Old Lion Media production. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.